Say pods in the case, Springfield. Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. I'm Bart. That's my Bart Simpson impression. Eat my shorts. That's much better than my Bart Simpson impression. Wasn't very good though. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're off to a flyer. So this is the uh, this is the follow up to our first video game episode, which was uh, strangely popular. We didn't expect that, but a yeah. lot of people, well, comparatively, a lot of people listened to it straight away. So we thought, hey, why not do another one of those? Yeah. Because the Simpsons were in a lot of fucking video games in the early 90s, as it turns out. And we enjoy video games to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, and we enjoy The Simpsons to varying degrees. Yeah. So it's really, it's a synergy made in heaven, isn't it? Yeah, we, uh, we kind of, we can't keep up with them. There was something like, between 1989 and 1992, there was a ridiculous number of these games put out. Mm. As we go through... The show will eventually hit a point where we'll just have to spend like five episodes talking about The Simpsons Hit and Run, which is good. That was a good game. I also think that's the correct number of Eat My Shorts to spend on that game. Yeah, because it was good. It was. We, good. we can talk about the the relative merit, merits of the 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 various cars that you could drive. Yeah. Talk about the uh, the fact that the stone cutters like secret entrance was in there. You could drive through that. Yeah. You could drive around the power plant. Game. But anyway, today, today we're talking we're about some shit games. <laughs> today we're looking at two fucking clunkers. We're looking at three games today, actually. Are we looking at three? Yeah, we're looking at Bart's House of Weirdness. Just in case anyone's wondering, <laughs> yes, I am extremely well prepared for this episode. <laughs> Basically, two weeks ago, we uh, we don't have these games. We watched a bunch of gameplay footage, did some research, talked about our own memories of video games uh, for three of these games, and then we were going to record that day. By the end of the day, we were both completely fucked. We recorded, like, five other episodes. We couldn't do it. And we did the Butterfingers episode that day. Yeah. We and, was... and anyone who's heard that knows that it ruined us. Yeah, that was two weeks ago, and I still feel like I could die at any moment. That so was two weeks ago. Exactly. So, very good. We'll be doing Bart's House of Weirdness, the 1991 Konami game for PC. Yes. Bart vs. The World, also 1991, but for the NES, published by Acclaim, developed by Imagineering. Imagineering. And then uh, we will also be looking at Bartman meets Radioactive Man from 1992. Same developer, same publisher, again for the Nintendo. I see. So, let's talk video games. Now, Nick, are video games art? Oh, look, this isn't really my area to... It's not my place to be answering this question. Frankly, oh, okay. I, frankly I resent that you asked it. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. really sorry, I know. It must be hard on you to get that question so often. Yeah, I mean, I mean you as a video game critic yes a freelance video game critic a professional video game critic man i mean you've probably never received that question and you probably don't know the pain of answering it people ask me all the time james what have you been playing lately and i say i don't fucking know just leave me alone is this another one of your party exiting strategies (laughs) that's how i get people to stop talking to me that's not how i stop talking to them that's 
That's good. That's good. Okay, so the first one, Bart's House of Weirdness. Now, we're going to credit the videos we watched. This one was by Muskerman. Muskerman. On YouTube. It was a playthrough of the entire game. Did a very good job playing yes. through it. Did, did we watch the entire playthrough? Don't remember. Two weeks We did ago. on this one, actually. We watched oh. the whole thing. The yeah. other two were too tedious, but this yeah. one we watched the entire thing. That's fair. Because this game looks kind of interesting. Mm. Bart's House of Weirdness. The eponymous House of Weirdness in this one very closely resembles The Simpsons' house. Yes. But it is a distinctly different house. This is a game about Bart exploring some sort of horrifying rendition of The Simpsons' home. Sure. Where doors lead to places they shouldn't lead, and there's yes. more stairs than there should be, and... There's a lot of weird Simpsons references. There's an attic and a basement full of ghouls and monsters and shit sure. like that. Ghouls and monsters. It looks like a very intense game. It's kind of a... Uh, it's You wander around as Bart, you click on different items, and they take you into little mini-games or mini-levels, mm. and then you progress through them. It's got a very 1991 PC, hey, look at what we're able to render in this game feel to it. A lot of it, it kind of looks like the cartoon, but it also looks fucked. Yes. There's a lot of, like, uh, these video games, uh, these early video games especially, always just bring in, like, all these weird elements that do not relate to the show at all. You're always battling, like, giant bees or rats or something. Yeah. Like, you play a fucking home improvement game. I don't recall Tim the Toolman Taylor ever having to fight dinosaurs, but I think he does in the game. Interesting. Is Does does Tim the Toolman Taylor cross time? I like, think, is he, I think is that's he, actually what the game is about. Is he a time-traveling toolman? It's been a long time since I've played it. I used to have this column in a Hyper magazine called yeah. Bottom of the Barrel nice. where I would play bad video games. Good. And I played that one once and dismissed it as too good for the column. So I've never gotten that deep into That's funny. the old home improvement game. Um, something I found interesting about watching this this playthrough yeah. is there were several um, scenes or levels, whatever you want to call them, of the game where... Because it was mostly a... St- Static screen that you were exploring, yeah, and then you would go, you know, off off the right hand edge of the screen, and a new static screen would be in its place. Yeah, but it wasn't scrolling; it was static. It wasn't yes. scrolling, but often the you were required to jump from one platform off the screen, mm. presuming that there would be a landing platform for you on the next screen. Yeah, as a modern game player, I find that a baffling thing to have to do. To jump in for in a platforming section where you could fall and be and and lose your little video game life to just blindly leap into the next screen, going, "Oh, there's probably going to be something there for me, though." Is there? Will there be? Very common design trope in old video games because you know this entire playthrough took well, like twenty minutes for them yeah. to finish the whole game. They wanted you to die. Yeah, that used to be how you had to make games. The game wasn't very long, so they had to make it extremely difficult. Even some games that people love dearly, like the old Mega Man games have design elements like that, where you just sort of have to blindly leap and memorize the level so you know exactly where you're going to land. A lot of it's based on memorization and pattern recognition and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh... Remember when we watched that guy play Battletoads all the way through and, like, you'd have to memorize that whole fucking thing to get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, games are difficult sometimes. And this one, Bart wanders around firing a dart gun, I think it was, or a plunger gun or something. Sure. Oh, and I think he had a dart gun. The plunger gun is in um, uh, Quackshot, the the, the Donald Duck game that I had on Sega Mega Drive 2. Oh, yeah? Okay. How was that? Was that a fun game? No, it was pretty good. So you had a plunger gun that had uh, yellow plungers and red plungers. Red plungers disappeared after three or four seconds, but yellow ones would stay there indefinitely. 
but they were harder to find. And you could use the plungers to create like a little ladder up the side of a wall to climb up and get to high areas. I feel like we've actually discussed Quackshot on the podcast before. <laughs> Every episode, there's a reference to Quackshot. Sometimes they're hidden, they're subtle, but... Uh... Pod's in the key of Quackshot. Yeah, sometimes it's like you have to take the first letter of every sentence. We and... did discuss Quackshot because I spoke about calling the helpline and yeah. how I spoke really fast. Yeah, you have yeah. a lot of memories around that one specific game. Yeah, I yeah. only I only ever played like a handful of games when I was a kid. Math Rescue by Apogee. Terrible game. I had, you, a, had that on computer. Do you think the House of Weirdness was maybe designed by Colossus? This house has a very Colossus feel to it, the way that... Uh, do you mean the game House of Weirdness or the house in the game House the of house Weirdness? The house within House of Weirdness. Maybe it's it, it's a trap by Colossus. Because it seems, it, like I said, it resembles the original Simpsons house, except that it's full of traps and weird shit. Full of things that want to kill. And it keeps teleporting Bart off to new locations. Yeah, new locations that are full of things that could kill little Barty boy. Maybe it he... is. Maybe Colossus kidnapped Bart during the night, took him to the house of weirdness, left him there hoping that all the things would kill him. I don't know why Colossus wants to kill Bart. Just pure evilness, I suppose. Weirdly enough, you are actually explaining more or less the plot for the next game we're going to cover, but with uh, okay. there's very little Colossus in that one, oh, well, unfortunately. We'll, we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> one thing that I... I just realised we're both wearing video game shirts today. Yeah. You're wearing an original Mario Brothers shirt, yeah, and I'm wearing a Commander Keen shirt. Yeah, whatever Commander Keen sounds like. Um, huh, I played it recently. I got it on Steam in a sale. Yeah, it was, I bought it on Steam for like 60 cents one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, Because games don't cost real money anymore. They're no, just... well, certainly not like Commander Keen, because that's mm. been around 400,000 years now. Mm, about that. About that, yeah. yeah. Oldest time itself, Alpha and Omega. Taylor's oldest time, it's Commander Keen. Your health meter in Bart's House of Weirdness is not a standard health meter, but a coolness meter. You die if you're not cool enough. Interesting. Now, doesn't that perfectly capture the experience of actually being a 10-year-old, do you think? (sighs) Yes, I think it does, especially in the 90s. Yeah. You had to be cool. You had to have the wraparound shades. You had to have a very baggy shirt over some not particularly baggy shorts. You had to be at least cool. If you could get up to rad, that was really living. Um... Do you still... Because I unironically use the word rad. And I've noticed more and more people using it ironically. And I want them to step off my word. I'm a big fan of it. I use it a lot in the kids' magazine that I that I write for. Nice. It's a word that I'm fond of. Because I, th- I guess the thing that annoys me is that I like using the word rad. But when I... There are times when I will say, oh, that's radical. And someone will go like, oh, totally tubular, dude. And it's like, no, get fucked. Just let me have the word. Are you... Is this one of the um, one of the Ninja Turtles saying this to you? I thought for a moment you were going to say, is this one of Nick's hyper-specific rants <laughs> against an extraordinarily... Look, that's the entire podcast at this point, I think. That's fine. Pod's in the key of Nick's hyper-specific rants. <laughs> it was very hard watching someone playing this game to figure out what the fuck the objectives were, or how they were progressing, or whether the game would have actually been enjoyable or not. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Very difficult. Um, Sometimes you can watch a video and think, that looks like fun. This one, I've got no idea. Yeah, I have a feeling there wasn't much fun involved. Mm. I feel like the uh, the other two games we watched looked worse yes. than this one. Yes. So maybe we should uh, move on to those ones. Because Bart's House of Weirdness seems like this weird little footnote. Bart versus the World. Do you want to give House of Weirdness a rating? 
Okay, you want me to rate it? Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's let's think this through. Of course, as as a critic, it's not my job to explain whether this game is art, and it's not my job to say whether you should run out and buy the game necessarily. Not no, what the, I asked the you. purpose of the cultural commentator is to add to a discourse, is to build up a discourse around the uh, around the product, and to sort of uh, evaluate and to provide a a critical lens through which to view the object. So, with that in mind, six out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Next game, Bart versus the World. Bart versus the World. Now, I kind of realize we we maybe fucked up the ordering a bit here because Bart versus the World and Batman meets Radioactive Man are basically sequels to Bart versus the Space Mutants, the, the game we covered. Oh, in in episode whenever the fuck that was. The, uh, that was in my shorts three, I think it was. Might have been two. Two. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, three was the Professor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, deep, deep trouble. So deep, deep trouble. So Bart vs. the World uh, is the second game developed by Imagineering and published by Acclaim on the NES, starring a little body boy, little body boy, little body boy. Bart fucking shit up, and it looked pretty bad. It looked pretty fucking bad. This yeah, one didn't look good. This one has a weird plot in that Bart wins a trip around the world from the Crusty the Clown show. Yes, and then we find out that. This competition was actually orchestrated by the malevolent Mr. Burns, who is sick of the Simpsons always getting up in his shit mm-hmm. and wants them to die, basically. So sure. his insane plot is to send Bart around the world, naturally assuming that his ancestors around the world or his relatives or whatever, mm-hmm. all of whom resemble broad racial caricatures, yeah, <laughs> will that... murder Bart. Yeah, there's a... Um... There's a rather uncomfortable portrayal of a a, a, a Chinese Mr. Burns. Yeah, and then, Burns Manchu, I think Yeah, Burns Man, Manchu. And then there's an Egyptian Burns, which was... Like a mummy of some kind. Yeah, but it, it was an w- even weirder name. It was, it was like Burns Ramses or something. Like, yes. It, it barely made sense. <laughs> but the, the implication... Did I take any notes? You actually? did not. I remember you sitting there not writing a single thing. The implication of this game is that traveling to different countries is incredibly dangerous and that the uh, the stereotypes associated with that culture will come out and try to kill you. I suspect for a 10-year-old boy, traveling internationally probably does have a degree of danger to it. I mean, you and me would be fine for mm. a 10-year-old boy. I mean, does Bart travel alone? Is that the, like, is the implication that if Bart dies, the family will be so distraught they'll leave Mr. Burns alone? I can't... I don't recall him having any travel buddies. It's, uh... I mean, the other senses do pop up every now and then, yeah. I think. And it's a fucking... It's um, a weird-looking game. Oh, a- this video is by, uh... Narblast. G-N-A-R-B-L-A-S-T. Good thing I remember that. Would have been a huge fucking faux pas. Yes. Imagineering, uh... Also, I should mention, was the developer of Ikari Warriors, which was a game people liked quite a bit. Uh, otherwise, didn't really do much, and by 1992, they had collapsed. So Excellent. This is 91. Next game we look at, I think, is 92. Uh, yep, and then they collapsed shortly after that, so sure. that's why we only got three of these godforsaken games out of them. Um, there was a... He's fighting Burns Manchu on the Great Wall of China, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, all the Chinese segments are on the Great Wall of China, I think, yep. or a significant portion of them. Yep, and then... Uh, you go to the yeah. the pyramids and yeah. there's some ice and uh, yeah, no, it was all just ter- what there are like weird quiz segments where you have to answer questions about the show, yeah. which is of course how our podcast started because we yes. fucked up a quiz. Yes, 
It's a and we were killed by Mr. Burns's Chinese relative. Yeah, <laughs> the abominable snow burns who pops up. Oh, I've forgotten the about Pole. the abominable snow burns. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, although there was a section where there was a bunch of skeletons popping up who you called bony boys. Oh, the <laughs> you little liked bony boys. You were very excited by the bony boys. So there was an incredibly tedious platforming section where Bart had to go... Uh, it was like he was zigzagging from side to side of this building, right? It looked like Metroid, but if Metroid, it was terrible. Sure. On on a big scrolling screen, going from side to side. And I reckon he had to do about 10 or so side to side laps to get up. Mm. All the way up the thing. Which means if you fell at any one of those points, it would have been extraordinarily tedious to get back. But one of the obstacles that was facing him was these little skeleton little bony boys that would just stick their head out of a window and throw their own skull at him, James. It was excellent. <laughs> they sacrificed their lives just for an attempt to damage this boy. I don't, I don't know. know what kind of influence uh, Burns Ramsey's has exactly to be able to convince these skeletons to basically uh, kamikaze but Yeah. Interesting that we're saying the skeleton bony boys gave up their lives. I, I see what you mean. Well, if you lift off your skull and you hurl it, what's the next step? Yeah, but they're already dead. The skeleton, the little bony boys. Well, I think, you know, snapping off that skull severs the tie between whatever part of your brain remained and the rest of your body. I and see. that final chuck is probably just the last throes of death. R- literally it's, and figuratively. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe the body just. The action, the brain has preordained this action before it's thrown. I don't know how the human body works. Right. I don't know if you can pull your skull off and throw it. I mean, I've not tried. <laughs> but the the fortitude it must require to pull your own skull off. Fortitude, yeah. yeah. I'd like to talk about the publisher Acclaim, because Acclaim, when I was growing up and playing my Nintendo 64, Acclaim was kind of a big deal. They had a lot of different licenses, they put out a lot of games... The Turok games, I remember, were huge. Turok? Were they a motorbike thing? You were a dinosaur hunter. Turok Dinosaur Hunter. They were based on an old comic book series. Right. You'd hunt dinosaurs with increasingly outlandish weapons. By the end, you had, like, a a gun that would let off an actual nuclear explosion. They were good fun. Seems like that's gonna... There's gonna be some splashback on you in, in that <laughs> scenario. They had the um, South Park license. They they put out a lot of racing games. Yes. They were like a pretty big, interesting publisher. And when I was a kid and they and, were publishing... Uh, um, did Acclaim do the NBA Jam stuff? Yeah, I think they... I think NBA Hangtime, maybe. Sure. Actually, that was Midway who developed... I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm getting confused with Midway. Yeah, they yeah. had... They had some they had some sporting franchises, I'm pretty sure. They might mm. have been doing like NFL quarterback or something. Uh, so they had a lot of series and they sort of had this um, reputation among people who had Nintendo systems as a studio that worked really well with Nintendo. All of their Nintendo 64 ports are really good. Their PlayStation versions tend to be really bad. Sure. They also had this reputation as the the company that would actually make games for adults on the Nintendo systems that were at the time seen largely as children's consoles. Sure, yes. And then they start to fuck things up really badly in the next generation of consoles. Once the PlayStation 2 came along... What did they do? They still had some good games, but their advertising campaigns started to go nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had an incident with the game Burnout 2, where part of their marketing was to pay off people's speeding fines. Interesting. They would send out, yeah, they, you know... Advertised Burnout 2 by doing that, and that's obviously a bad precedent to set. They had a competition where they wanted 
for the game Turok Evolution, which was a fairly poorly received fourth Turok game, mm. they had a competition where they were going to grant somebody a bunch of money for naming their newborn child Turok. Okay, cool. Didn't, I don't think anyone took them up on the offer, because why the fuck would you do that? Sure, when there are names like Seven and Soda. Exactly. Uh, for Shadow Man Second Coming, the sequel to the fairly well-received original game Shadow Man, they looked into doing advertising on tombstones, which is a bad place to advertise generally. There's a whole episode of fucking Nathan for you about that, which is generally a sign that it's not a good I'm starting strategy. To, I'm starting to like these guys more and more. The most insane thing that happened, though, was oh, the, I can't wait. the development of... They used to have a... Um, a series of extreme sports games with Dave Mira. Dave Mira's uh, sport. He was like he's a BMX guy. Um, oh, okay. He's sadly passed on since right. then, but uh, he had a very well liked series of BMX games. Sure. Now during the PlayStation Two era, this sort of line of thinking came into. I, f- I forget who the actual developer here is, but Acclaim published this game. Uh, they thought, hey, people like sex, right? Let's make a BMX game about, like, uh, naked women. So they published BMX XXX. Wait, what? I've legitimately never heard this story. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah BMX XXX, which is the most early 2000s game imaginable. Uh, it was only released here censored because we did not have the classification laws that would allow for it. Sure. In the US, it was censored on the PlayStation 2, but for yeah. some reason on the GameCube... An Xbox version, I think you could. Actually, I'm not sure it even got an Xbox release, but certainly the GameCube version. Like, if you did well in the game, it would reward you with videos of strippers. <laughs> it was. I'm just looking at some screenshots now. This is amazing. It was nuts. It was. <laughs> it was originally intended as a Dave Mirror game, but Dave Mirror said, "No fucking way, are you doing this? Take my fucking name off this." Oh. And I believe he actually sued the company. Oh my god. Yeah. So the game released, um... Yeah, it's fucking crazy. You're showing me screenshots, it's nuts. That's so fucking... Wow. Could there be a more... Tone-deaf? Tone-deaf PlayStation 2 era thing. That's so funny. So the game released in the US, censored on the PlayStation 2, uncut on the GameCube, maybe the... I forget if there was an Xbox version... Most of the rest of the world, they could only release the censored version, which kind of defeated the whole purpose of fucking putting the game out at all. Man, that's funny. Flopped pretty hard. They got sued over it. Nobody liked it. It claimed didn't last much longer after that. Wow. But well before that, they were making this game, which is a bad, bad game. Yes. Game Pro Magazine gave it an 80 out of 100. And here's a quote. Bart's new cart is a world beater. Bart's new cart. Yeah. Does Bart get heart by that cart? Yeah, Bart gets heart by a cart. Interesting. Mm. Now, as I've established, not my job to say whether or not games are art, alright? And I'm sick of you asking me, frankly, but this game looks pretty bad to me. Is Bart's cart art? Uh, Bart does get art from the cart. Right. Hey, remember that episode where, um, he, where Bart goes to a grunge festival and then he gets a guitar thrown at him by the singer of Nirvana and then when 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 Bart got hurt by a Kurt 
God, I just uh, <laughs> I see you setting up like this is going to be one of his long jokes that doesn't go anywhere. He's he, he's got the tone in his voice that says it's going to be a long one. No, and then it was even less than I anticipated, but that's okay. Yeah, it was nothing. I just wanted to throw, I just wanted to yeah, say Bert, something. Bert got hurt by a cat. Uh, I just wanted to say something in this episode. I feel like I've been very quiet. <laughs> I did like that the last uh, level <laughs> seemed to be set on Matt Groening's desk, unless I was misreading the video. And yeah, that like... did look like Matt Groening's desk, and then or they... like a sorry, like a, a, a digital representation thereof, because Bart was like shrunken down to very, very tiny. Yeah, he's on like a cartoonist desk, leaping around, yeah. kind of inventive, kind of cool. But the game seems bad, so the game ends. With Bart defeating all of Mr. Burns' relatives, he goes on the Krusty show, and to get revenge on this pair that I remind you has just tried to kill him, mm. he throws eight pies at them. Sorry, he throws eight pies at them. Eight pies. Like cream like pies. Cream pies. Throws them one after the other. And eight of them. He looks around at the, uh, the player, gives them a shit-eating grin, and he throws the pie. You get to aim the pie, you throw the pie... After eight of them have been thrown, the credits roll. Now, for the for the theatre of the mind that is our podcast, I pretended that I didn't know that that's what happened. Mm. But I feel like the listener needs to know. Yes, and that that while we what like we saw the first pie get thrown, and we were like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then there was a second, and we were like, huh, two. That seems to be pushing it. And by the <laughs> end of it, you and I are both going eight, eight. But <laughs> when does this end? Why is this a thing? And then uh, Mr. Burns steps on 11 rakes, and the, <laughs> and the game is over. <sighs> so this looks like a very bad game. And the next one looked about the same and reviewed even worse. So Bartman meets Radioactive Man, 1992, same developer. We watched a video from the channel Nintendo Complete. Nintendo Complete. As opposed to the Complete Nintendo. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, now this one, this introduces some interesting concepts. It introduces the concept of the limbo zone. The limbo where most zone. Of the game seems to be set. A new dimension that goes unmentioned within the TV show, but which we oh, know you is like, definitely there and exists. I thought you meant like a, a zone where people were just trying to see how low under a, a bar they could get. It does seem like this game is sailing right under some bars. Right under some bars. Yeah. Has it got anything to do with Limbo, the, I don't know, 2008? 2010 game by Play Dead. 2010? Yeah. Yeah, right. First was... game I ever gave a 10 out of 10 to in a magazine. I was close. I said 2008. Yeah. You didn't say 1966. <laughs> Not this time. The year of our revolver. Yeah. Um, Limbo is a very good game. Limbo. Mm. Is, 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 is it related to... Could it be that if Bart goes to the limbo zone and you lose your life, he ends up in 2010's limbo? In, is, limbo, in the limbo the little, of limbo? Is the little boy, little boy in limbo, is that Bart? Well, is it not more likely that the limbo zone is some sort of liminal state through which characters pass on their way to the other egg flip universe that we've been talking about extensively on this show? That is interesting. Have I mentioned that when I was studying English in year 12, my teacher specifically directed me to stop writing about liminal states in in essays? That was, if it was the same teacher that I had, not going to mention her name, but no. yeah, she was very big on the word liminal. She loved very, it. Very big on it. And I got so into it. That it would were, take so much to out-liminal her. There was actually a note on one of my essays that said, you need to talk about other concepts. <laughs> 
but it really took me a while to transition into talking about other concepts. For a long time, I was in this kind of, oh, if only it I had a word. halfway stayed between, yeah. yeah. If only I had a word. I'm a big fan of the word liminal as well. It's a nice word. It is a nice word. It's got a certain liminality to it. Interesting. So Batman meets Radioactive Man. Uh, I guess maybe you these know, are I real had, figures within this limbo zone. They, they... I once had a vinyl floor that was half installed. I had a liminal linoleum. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. pretty good. Now, uh, the opening cutscene, slightly better plot. Fallout Boy goes to Bartman and tells him Radioactive Man needs his help. You mean the rock band? Fallout Boy? Yeah. Pete Wentz? Yeah, going down to an Aluri Lura. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sugar, we're going down, Bart Boy? Yeah. Uh, so- Fuck, you gave me such an exasperated look <laughs> in your eyes then. That was amazing. <laughs> so, like, he goes to Bart and he says something that got us very excited. Yes. He says that uh, something bad is happening and it's all been planned by a mysterious mastermind. Mm-hmm. We paused the video and we turned to each other and with tears in our eyes we said, is this finally happening? Is this the grand reveal of Colossus's grand plan? I don't recall having tears in my eyes. You were weeping. Uh-huh. You looked at me and you said, never have I known such passion. <laughs> Jesus Christ alive. <laughs> sure. Okay. That's what I said. Always will this moment live in my heart. Um, the air that I breathe from now on will uh, have been kissed by the, these words. Are you, <laughs> are you quoting another Fallout Boy song? <laughs> Fallout Boy, if you are listening, if you are looking for new lyrics, we got a bunch of them. All of them about the mysterious Dr. Colossus. Mm. 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 Uh, but... Look, they set this up. They got us so excited. They had us weeping in our seats with anticipation. Yes. But we don't get Colossus. Colossus is not in this episode. Instead, we get... In in this video game. Yeah, this episode of our lives. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Instead, Bartman and Radioactive Man have to take on Braino the Magnificent, who's just like a giant fucking brain. I mean, is it possible that Brain of the Magnificent is... Limbo Colossus? Well, that's... Actually, that's a really good theory. I was going to say the the teacher of Colossus. Colossus is a protege of, of Brain of the Magnificent. By the way, Brain of the Magnificent? Horrible name for a character. Mm. I feel like Dr. Colossus has overtaken his master, if that's the case. I mean, he's got his doctoral degree, at least. That's true. Do you think Dr. Colossus went down the PhD route, or is he like a medical doctor, or does he just call himself that? Uh, no, I assume he's gone down the... I, I assume he's a medical doctor. Yeah? I thought maybe he had, like, a creative writing PhD. It's a possibility. It is. Sorry, I was just thinking through it. But I feel like if you're... I don't know, for me, evil genius seems to sit better with medical doctorate because then you've got you know tools and ethers and 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 (laughs) tools and ethers that's what doctors have isn't it (laughs) ah finally my doctoral degree time to acquire some ethers (laughs) only now can my nefarious plans oh excellent Mm, yes tongue depressors and damp rags finally my doctorate has paid off Tools and ethers. <laughs> Sorry, that's really funny. <laughs> the idea of becoming a doctor, just <laughs> your hands on ethers. 
that you're going to use for evil. It's like an eight-year fucking study. Uh, I'm glad that after after episode 21 where you broke me with a weird non-joke, I'm glad that I've broken you as well. So... Bartman has to fight three supervillains. I didn't bother noting who they were because this game's not very interesting. <laughs> no, it's not. Graphics are much more detailed, but it's basically the it's back on its bullshit. It's the same fucking game. Same bullshit. There was another very, very long section where you're just jumping between two platforms going up. We were watching for about two fucking minutes straight, just jumping up to the next platform yeah. and up to the next one and up to the next one oh. with very little variation or real and skill there were, required. And there were no bony boys. No. I mean, uh, no. The, the least you could do is add in a You were sitting there just going, bony boys, bony boys, bony boys, bony boys. I was doing that. <laughs> but no, no bony boys. That was no. why the other reasons you were crying. No, yeah, exactly. And uh, it wasn't even to do with the video game. I just wanted you to start uh, playing the all-male bony M tribute on Spotify. <laughs> Seems like... um. He was collecting eyes that seemed to be the collectible in this game. There were just eyes scattered around. Eyes. And he was dotting yeah. them all, which is weird. He was doing what? Dotting them all. Yeah, and he was crossing his T's. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, well, that was more subtle. Right. It's hard to see with these blurry NES graphics sometimes. Yeah, interesting. Now, interesting. Game Pro... Who it's, gave... it's, it's always complex when you have to dot your eyes and cross your T's, because on the one hand, I don't want to cross a picket line, mm. but also, it's not my fault the golfers are picketing. Yeah. Tees, yeah. golf tees. Yeah, I, I understand. Cross them. P's and Q's, yeah. P's and Q's. Yeah. Pieces and quiets? <laughs> sure. I, sorry. <laughs> I really need another coffee. <laughs> oh, so, I'm surprised that my coffee machine hasn't done that weird... So yeah, one thing I found channel. interesting is that Game Pro, who you might remember, gave the previous game an 80 out of 100. 80 out of 100, which, this I believe, one, which I believe equates roughly to 80%. Roughly. Yeah. Gave this one a 2.5 out of 5. Their rating system changed completely. Fuck. Yeah. Oh it dropped from 100 to 5. That's a big, big change. It's a big change. Yeah. Uh, I've written for places that have switched from like a 100-point system to a 10-point system. Not quite as severe. Sure. Although I suppose this is basically a 10-point system because a 2.5 equates to a... Uh, well, yeah. yeah, it would equate to a five, but, but still, like, but so, putting the five at the end, you get this whole different so, feeling to it. But at in the ten point system, was it strictly whole digits, or could you do decimalizations? Uh, it was strict units, just single units. Right. See, yeah, okay, interesting. But I feel like a five out of five doesn't carry as much weight as a ten out of ten. But then I've got a long rant about that that I'm not going to get into. But then you know, um, uh, plays and thing and plays and stand up comedy and that kind of stuff is rated out of five stars. You, you never see ten stars out of ten. Are um, the iTunes reviews out of five? Yes, all five stars so far. By the way, thank you very much, people. Thank you. Yep. That might have changed by the time this goes up. But that's some I weird shit. I wouldn't. In the last few so. weeks. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Now, this game is uh, theoretically about Radioactive Man, but he only really pops up right at the end. So to close out this episode, because we are going a bit long for a short episode, I would like to run through my Petro Radioactive Man game. This is something I wrote in a magazine a few years ago. And then at the Twin Peaks panel that I did at um, PAX last year... By the way, Nick, have I mentioned on this podcast how much I like Twin Peaks? I don't think it's come up. Okay, okay. Well, um... Twin Peaks is really good, and I like it a lot. Mm. All right. 
So my Radioactive Man, yeah, part of the panel was we talked about other shows we would like to see video games about. And it was meant to be we picked more obscure shows, but I kind of cheated just for the sake of plugging my podcast during the panel. Good, uh, I like it. So I've got this idea for a Radioactive Man game sure. that I'm quite attached to, and I'll try to outline it a bit. So, Please. You know, morality systems are a fairly big part of a lot of modern games. Like Infamous? Yeah, like Infamous, although yep. I don't think Infamous does it particularly well. But, you know, no. the whole, you know, pick your pick your conversation option, pick how you're going to do this sort of thing. Yeah. Are you going to be a good guy or a jerk? Yeah, it's like, are you going to save the starving children or are you going to, like, eat their families? That's what Infamous was like, at least. Yes. Some games is a bit more subtle. It's like, are you going to do, like, the obviously good thing or the thing that's, you know, sort of in the middle or the thing that will benefit you greatly? Mm. It's a bit murkier. Mm. My idea for a Radioactive Man game would be like an action game similar to like a Batman, Arkham, whatever the fuck sort of thing. Sure. But it would have a system in place that would dictate what the game became a parody of while you were playing it. Whoa, okay. I'm gonna because need... I'm thinking when we think of superheroes, there's a lot of different modes superhero stories can fit into. You've got like the campy 60s Batman that a scented mm-hmm. radioactive man used to be mm-hmm. back in the day. You've got the extremely gritty reboot where, you know, everything's really dark and violent and shitty. You've yeah. got the, um, you know, the kind of crazy Silver Age comics where everything's like off the wall and nuts. You've got yep. the more grounded, realistic comics. I'm thinking a version of a game where the specifics of, you know, the other characters you encounter and how the plot plays out... I would like there to be a conversation system that dictates what the game turns into a parody of. What form of superhero storytelling. That is a very interesting idea. Yeah, so it could, you know, depending on the choices you make, by the end it could be like you defeat the final boss in like a 60s dance-off or it could be that, you know, the further you get into the game, the more dead relatives you happen to have, all with like horrific backstories. <laughs> Or it could just be that, you know, by the end, it's you and, like, 60 other superheroes all, you know, fighting each other. Something that turns into, you get to, you know, by the choices you make, dictate what sort of superhero story the game is taking the piss out of. That is my idea for a Radioactive Man game. I'm actually convinced by that. That's pretty cool. So I think EA currently holds the license to The Simpsons. So if anyone from (laughs) EA is listening, and they want to go to their boss and say, Oh, sir... Or madam, I'm not sure who my boss is. I've got an idea. And they'll say, all right, Johnson, come in, come in. And uh, they'll say, well, I was listening to this podcast, see? Uh, Pods in the Key of Springfield. Yes, Johnson, I'm familiar with Pods in the Key of Springfield. Carry on. And uh, they've got an idea for Radioactive Man game. Okay, well, um, did they put in place like a monetization strategy? Uh, sir, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like, it needs to be very aggressive with its microtransactions. That's kind of what we're all about at the moment. It needs to really nickel and dime people. Uh, uh, well, I'm not really sure. It was sort of like this parody system. Okay, okay. Go back to the drawing board and come back with a pitch that um, fucks the player. Uh, sir, we need something where we can really fuck the player badly. We want them to grow to resent our games. We look. We need another PR nightmare like Battlefront Two. Uh, sir, that's not why I got into the business. Uh, I think we should just make the game. Uh, what do you mean? I think we could just make the game, make it good, make a good game. Yeah, you know, like we like we do sometimes. Sometimes we make good games and people like them. Huh? Huh? That's an interesting idea. What do you, what do you think, Wade? You're Wade. 
Sorry, I completely uninvested myself from that back and forth. I was too distracted buying loot boxes. For the listener at home, I want to point out that after about four seconds of that, I literally just started staring at my hi-fi speaker because I figured that would be more entertaining. Sorry. Jesus that's, that's Christ. No, I'm going just... for the throat. <laughs> Sorry, I leaned on the coffee so badly. Right, well... Dad, do you have any more butterfingers? <laughs> Never again. Never again. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm just going to be in the corner picking up my self-esteem. I suppose. <laughs> no, it was funny. You know, the thing with Johnson and the boss who may be a sewer on Adam. It was very entertaining. I enjoyed this, the commentary about how you don't like the way that EA does microtransactions. It was all great. Every fucking second of it. Oh, man. Are you getting a phone call? No, I've just my phone's just popped up with a reminder. And I don't know why. All right. Is it a reminder to end the episode? It is. It's not. Okay. So those are three video games. Uh, I suppose we'll do, more, we'll do more video games down the track. There's a fucking shitload of these things. Yeah, we'll do heaps of them. And until then, have you played any good video games lately? Um, I've been playing bits of Gran Turismo Sport. Oh, yeah? That's fine. Yeah, I played a bit of that. It's good fun. Yeah, it's good fun. My video game recommendation for this episode, which is not a thing we do in any other episode, but I recently played What Remains of Edith Finch, and I genuinely loved it. What Remains of Edith Finch. What Remains of Edith Finch. It is now the... What Remains of Edith Finch. What the Reigns of Edith Finch. (laughs) Now the second game that's ever made me cry, so I liked it a lot. That's my recommendation for this week. Ah, is it better or worse than Adam Sandler's Click? <laughs> I assume it's a lot better. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That was, that was a movie that made me cry. If yeah, 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 I was wondering why I, why I said those words. Do you ever see that tweet of that guy who just slowly started putting more and more copies of uh, Adam Sandler's Click in his parents' house until on their shelf they had 57 copies of the movie <laughs> Click and they'd never noticed? Oh, oh. That is my favourite kind of comedy. <laughs> that is such a wonderful, unnecessary long play. I love that so much. <laughs> Excellent. So that has been Eat My Shorts. Eat My Shorts. Uh, Woos and Wazzle, etc, etc. Follow us on the things. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a regular episode next week. Uh, you know, I don't go and play like a video game. Just go and watch a movie or something. That's my advice for this week. Sure, and stay away from uh, Burns Manchu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depicting Burns Manchu because it's a little racist. Yes. Alright, bye. Bye. That went okay. You seemed yeah. a little um, distracted, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the days of my youth. Uh... Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> All right, people are home. Grab the popcorn. This thing's gonna go for a while. Just thinking back to uh, yeah, when I was a, when I was a young man, when I still had hope, when there was still joy in my world. Uh, did you ever, did you ever read the Simpsons comics? The Simpsons comics. Yeah. Do you remember there was like comic books? Bongo was the publisher. Uh, I don't. I knew there were comics, but I never read any of them. Okay, because I, I definitely read them, but I don't remember if they were any good or not. I, sus- I suspect they weren't. I'd love to revisit them at some stage, but um, I've lost most of my... All of my copies, actually, I think. I oh, have, did you have looked. A, did you actually have... I had a huge collection of them. Actually, um, I wrote a letter to them once. 
and uh, it, it was published. I actually remember the letter. Are you fucking very, serious? Yeah, I remember the letter, like almost word for word. I remember exactly what it said. Wait, hang on a minute. Wouldn't that have been the first time you had something published in a magazine? The first time that I, the uh, the journalist. Yeah. The world's greatest games journalist, James O'Connor, was published, was actually in a Simpsons comic, yes. I'm astonished that it's taken this far in the canon of the podcast <laughs> for this topic to come up. Uh, it's just a shame that it's um, lost forever now, as far well, as I can tell. Well, I mean, if you've lost your copy, mm. my understanding is all other copies have also been destroyed. That so. is my understanding as well. Oh, fuck. That's annoying, because now we've, it's like a hook that we can never... <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh. Oh. oh, well, hopefully people will keep listening anyway. No, I imagine at this point, not only are people unsubscribing, but they're moving files to recycle bins if they downloaded hard copies to yeah, their computers. they're probably going to listen to one of those other Simpsons podcasts where they kept their comics. I'm not they sure. They went fucking idiots and threw them away, <laughs> like chowder heads. Absolute chowder heads. Um, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. that's an interesting blindside. I think the, the only magazine I ever wrote to when I was a kid... I wrote to, um, oh God, what was the name? TV Hits, I think it was. TV Hits? They were the ones that had like posters of bands every month, despite being a TV hit. Sure. Because it wasn't called Music Hits, it must have been TV Hits. I wrote to them, asking them to confirm if and when the Rolling Stones were touring Australia next... And I signed off the letter for some reason. I thought a cool, rather than put my own name like a dingus, I thought a cool name would be to call myself Mick Jagger's Shiny Dagger. <laughs> Seven, Adelaide, Australia. Well, Nick, that's a great story, but I don't see what it has to do with me and what I'm going through here. It did not get published. Okay. I was using it as, as, a, as a light and shade to your published thing. Huh. All right. But interestingly, my letter that didn't get published and your letter that did, we both have exactly the same amount of evidence of my anecdote. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> I have no proof. I could be making this all up. It wouldn't surprise me. I would love to have proof. Ah, it's a dead end. I'm going to keep thinking about this for a while, I think. Oh, I can tell. You've got that look in your eyes. 